Welcome to episode 13 of the Foyne Jones Show. Today I'm joined by a special guest who's travelled down from Edinburgh. He's originally from Canada. He's going to tell us the plain and simple story. Glenn Stocko is joining me in the studio. Boom, here we go. Welcome to season six of the Foyne Jones Show. It's a sunny day in June. It's a little bit windy, but we're in a new month. We're recording our first episode of June, and it's episode 13 of season six. And we've got a guest who's made a journey to be here today. He's based in Edinburgh. He's originally from Canada. We're going to find out all about him. Glenn Stocko. Welcome to the Foy and Jones Show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Peter. It's great to be here. Uh, it's great to have you down. I know, I know you're down in, down in this part of the world anyway, so making this work, getting you into the studios, really special because we want to bring as many people that are inside our sector, outside of our sector, and also just, just connections that we think can add value to our listeners and our audience. And that's not just our connections on LinkedIn. That's, that's the listeners who are looking for inspiration, perhaps, perhaps in a different stage of their career, journey mm-hmm. or perhaps thinking think about things very differently and um, the subject of being different is what we're going to talk about when we explore the plain and simple story yep. um, even simple things like where did the name plain and simple come from intrigues me yep. but we get to know you first glenn but before we do that charlie hula how you doing I'm in a good way, mate. I'm in a good way. Hula's in the house. Gigging next week? We are, yeah. We've got three dates lined up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, two in Brighton, one up in London. I've put, I've put, I've put the request in with Mrs. Jones, and uh, I'm just waiting to see what one I'm going to be able to attend. I'm waiting to see if the holiday approval will come Yeah, I'm in. just waiting for the form to come back, mate, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. So... Um, we don't have a podcast without our listeners. We don't have a podcast without our sponsors. So Marcel Creasy from MHK Holding UK, he's got a big event with that business this week. All the best with that. Thank you for your continued support. You're making a massive difference to the show. Glenn, let's talk all things plain and simple. Sure. The business, the history, and I think what's going to intrigue so many people is a story you told me when we first got to know each other about how you arrived in this business. Because there's an entrepreneurial mm-hmm. journey you've been on, yeah. and it all began many, many moons ago in Canada before you even got to Scotland. It did, it did. I'll try not to bore you too much. Oh, the, we won't be bored. Long, We're fascinated. We're fascinated, Glenn. Over to you. Introduce yourself. Have yeah, some fun. so I, I, it has been a bit of a journey to get to where I am today, and it's funny how life takes you on those kind of funny routes. Um, started my career in engineering, so I was a consulting civil engineer in Canada. Still am a registered professional engineer there, but not practicing, obviously. And uh, I was rising through my career steadily and felt like there was more I needed to do, more I needed to learn. So I decided to go study a business degree, ended up going to the University of Edinburgh Business School and graduated from that uh, Master's of Business program in 2008, 2009, which wasn't a fantastic time to be graduating from a business school. Although I had a few offers on the table, I ended up going back to Canada and uh, went back into consulting. Not long after, I ended up joining a boutique property development firm as their director of development. And that was kind of my foray into entrepreneurial life. It was, it was kind of a startup in itself. Um, we grew that firm quite quickly, property with assets under management. It was a really excellent journey. Great to be part of that team building it. Um, but then felt I needed to get comfortable, more comfortable with risk. 
And I had met a, a great guy who had started a completely different business, uh, a craft cider business, alcoholic cider. And here, you know, in the UK, cider is a big thing. But in, in Ontario, province of Ontario in, in Canada, it was quite a new thing. And craft cider was quite new. So uh, we were like-minded. He was a former engineer as well. Really liked the guy. We hit it off um, after talking for quite a while. Um, I decided to come on board with him and help grow that business. So that was, again, rolling up your sleeves, doing everything in a business to, to get it going. And that was great. All the while, my wife and I were talking about Scotland. We met when we were both studying in, in Scotland in Edinburgh. And uh, opportunity arose for us to move. So we just picked everything up, moved over to Edinburgh. And it was kind of like a dream. And it was um, getting what, in. What was it that drew you and your wife to Edinburgh? Is it the history of, of the, is it the, the memory of it? Was, is it something, something that just. I think Edinburgh gets into your, your soul when you're there. Um, you, you know, there's a castle popped up in the middle of, of the city, walking the cobblestone streets. It's got a great vibe to it. Mm. Little did I know uh, at the time the entrepreneurial sector there and the ecosystem that was bubbling away. I had no idea when we just decided to move there. And it wasn't until we made that decision I started reaching out to people that I was blown away by it. And very quickly after speaking to one or two people, my network exploded mm. And people were so welcoming in the business community. Um, I was meeting investors, and then I was meeting the startups that those investors were investing in. And um, I was fortunate enough to, to meet a chap named John, and John had started a, a marketplace for, for off-licenses, where he was connecting off-licenses with consumers for delivery of drinks within an hour. Mate, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything stereotypical, yeah. but, but I'd imagine there's quite a demand for that service north of the pool. There's a demand everywhere for that. I mean, there's a demand that. for that here, to be yeah. fair. So certainly in West London, where I grew up, that's a, that, that's a, that's a must-have. You know? yeah, my my brother-in-law was telling me that if you, if you upgrade, you can get it even quicker, but you pay you a go. premium price now. You know? So I'm like, do you actually do that? He went... Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I do. Yeah, so, so, sorry. It was but. great, and, and, and the business was, was, was moving along, um, and it was being part of that business. I, I was fortunate. The Scottish government was sending some, some Scottish entrepreneurial leaders to Boston for a kind of a two-week intensive program. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited on that program, and while I was there, um, I met Andrew and Mike Donaldson, who are the sixth generation of the Donaldson Group, 163-year-old Scottish timber business. Um, they were by far the most mature business on that, that cohort, but really kind of speaks to their mentality that, you know, they want to embrace entrepreneurialism in, in growing their business, even one that's 163 years old. Um, and as things happen on these courses, you're up for a pint or you're, you're talking during class. And this was pre-pandemic. And the question came up of, you know, there's not many builders merchants who have e-commerce. They're not trading online. So there's something we could do to make it really easy for them. And that was this light bulb moment of, well, how about a marketplace? Marketplaces work really well when there's a commoditized product. Mm. So if people aren't too concerned where that product is coming from, they just want to know it's going to be quality and the people that are, are selling it and deliver it are, are respectable and trustworthy, that, that's the most important thing. A marketplace for, say, a dentist probably isn't the best because you don't trade in train dentists very frequently. You know, you get a dentist, you stick with it. So Marketplace seemed like a really good idea. We go back to our businesses. We stayed in touch, talked for about a year. I was telling them about what we were doing in our business, um, the learnings that we had. And then um, one thing led to another. Uh, I had a, had a call from Andy one day and said, hey, we're actually going to 
start this business and we're looking for somebody to lead it. Timing was right for me. I came on board and we, we grew the business from there. And you asked about the name. Yeah, fascinated. We had no name when I, when I joined. Um, we had a code name for it, which uh, I can tell you afterwards. That's another story. Um, and uh, oh, that's exciting, Charlie. And, and uh, so we went through the typical branding marketing exercise, and we had an agency that was helping us to do that. We went through a whole bunch of stupid, stupid names, and uh, you never know what's going to stick. And then you pick one, you love it, and then you do the, the title search and you look for the the URLs. Can you buy them? And you you know find out oh it's trademark you can't do it, um, but we when when plain and simple came about we thought, wow you know that's absolutely everything we're trying to do. We want it to be simple, plain and simple for our merchants. We want it to be plain and simple for the customer shopping on the marketplace. It just it fit and we spelt it P L A N E, that nod to wood. Mm. Um, so it it all kind of fell into place that way. And sometimes the the, mo- the most simple concepts can happen. I mean, what I'm intrigued with so much of that story. I think the the, the graduated in 2009. Mm-hmm. You know, if we go back to then, good luck with that. Yeah. That was uh, that was without a doubt 2009 to 2010, 11, toughest passage of play I've ever experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. And and I mean that professionally. I mean that personally. I mean that emotionally. I mean that financially. I went as a business owner, and quite a young business owner. So I was in my early 30s. I was 2004, so four or five years into the business, and thought I was invincible. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I weren't invincible. And uh, <laughs> and I learned, I learned that, that I learned some tough knocks. Still got the scars. So so that's that's fascinating in it, in itself that yeah. you've, you've gone out of that and you've and you've you know you've got into cider. I mean, that's engineering a cider. That's, that's a, step, that's, that's a well, natural pathway, isn't it? Well, I, also, I always – somebody was asking me about this the other day, actually. Uh, you know, what is it about entrepreneurialism that attracts me? And I, when I reflect back, the people in my life who I've always looked up to and respected were, were entrepreneurial themselves, whether they started their own businesses or had mm. side, side gigs. Um, and I've kind of just surrounded myself with those people. It doesn't mean you have to start a business. It could be just being entrepreneurial. It's, it's a mindset. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I honestly believe it should be taught at school. Mm. It should be taught at college. It's, it should be something we focus on in creativity, in, in developing passion and, and actually conceptually doing something, starting something and, mm-hmm. and maybe not conforming, you know, mm-hmm. actually going the other way. If I always say this, if, if nine people are going to turn right, be the one that turns left mm-hmm. and see where that goes. It doesn't always end up where you want to be, yep. but, but, but you find some stuff from it. And, and then something that we can go back to, you and your wife, you know, we're going to go to Edinburgh. That's where we're going to go. Did, did you have an income when you arrived in Edinburgh? Mm. Was there a position for you to move into or did you drop in and, and then make that happen? Luckily, she did. Yeah. So she had she had a role that she transferred over. So that gave us the comfort level to be able to make the jump. Mm. But I had nothing. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I had come for two weeks before we moved to meet some people and that actually sealed the deal for me because that's when I discovered how welcoming the business yeah. community was. I came within two days I had meetings scheduled for the rest of my two weeks. I, I couldn't fit more people in because everybody just, oh, you should talk to this person. You should go meet with this person. And um, so when we did eventually make the move and we landed, um, I could pick up the phone and say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm here. Could we go and meet in person for a coffee? Um, so, yeah, nothing. But I had a plan. 
I had yeah. a bit of a plan, the kind of people I wanted to talk to. But, but you, you had a plan, you, you made appointments happen. I speak to business developers. I, I speak to, you know, individuals that are challenged to make appointments every day and, and they, will, they will struggle. They will not be able to get booked in. They're not, and, and you've arrived there blank piece of paper and you've made it happen and that is mm-hmm. a mindset and that's perhaps that mindset of entrepreneurialism and genuinely just being that type of individual that, that wants to that wants to go a little bit further so mm-hmm. so so we've arrived at edinburgh plain and simple when did the brand properly launch glenn when did you yeah. tell the world you were trading so, so we built the technology for for a number of months and we built it from scratch we didn't take something off the shelf and try to shoehorn it in because we wanted it to work for merchants it had to kind of hit their pain points and along the entire customer journey and the checkout process, it had to work. And because of the support we had from the Donaldson Group, we knew what merchants kind of needed and we were able to pick up the phone and ask them. So we did that the build. We launched in June of 2021. So we're later this month. It'll be our two-year anniversary of trading. So June 2021, we launched in Edinburgh. I'm based in Edinburgh do our beta launch there, work out the bugs. And I still remember um, the first order that came in. I've got that saved um, when you kind of have that, you know, I won't swear on, on audio, but, you know. You're that, sure, that, we get the apparent advisory lyrics. So they perfect. come on the feed. You so know, you're okay, holy mate. shit, you've got I mean, you've seen some of our guests. We've yeah. had a few F-bombs drops on, dropped in this Good. studio. All right, well, we, haven't we, we, Nick Boyle? We started now, so we'll open the floodgates. Yeah. Um, you know, the holy shit, it actually works. Yeah. Um, you know, the customer's paid. The money's gone where it was supposed to go. The order's gone through to our merchant partner. They've picked it up. They're bringing it to the customer. Everybody's happy. And you think... You know, the million things that we had to think about to make that process work. You never forget that, you know. And it's just taken me back to a time into early 2004 when me and Fournier had just launched Fournier Jones. We were two young lads who were, you know, making it happen. Uh, and we got ourselves a big gig from a national builders merchant that we might have used to work for. So we had got quite mm-hmm. a warm welcome. But they must have given us, they must be, I reckon they were laughing when they gave us these projects. They gave us an underperforming timber merchant, which will remain nameless in Aberdeen, mm-hmm. that needed a manager and an assistant manager because one had been arrested and one had left for, you know, what a, mm-hmm. it was a difficult job, that one. So, And then we got a, we had a sales specialist for a, civil and utilities merchant of theirs mm-hmm. in Livam St Anne's, which is, you know, just above mm-hmm. Blackpool, famous for the open golf course. So okay. so they were the first two like, official instructions we got. And we celebrated like like we scored the winning goal in an yep. FA Cup final. But you look back, they must have been laughing their heads yeah. off giving us those projects. But yeah. I, I, to this day, we filled them both. Yeah. And we filled all three of the positions. But I will never forget that moment when yeah. we actually... It wasn't talk. It wasn't this could happen. This way. Yeah. It was like, oh, you know. And, and that, Glenn, was in a day when there weren't a Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, positions were yeah. advertised in newspapers or trade journals rather than online. Yeah. And it was a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of emotion to get there. And, so, and so, what do you so do the now? Fact though, you remember the, the fact you remember that. What do you do now, though, to keep those celebrations going? Because as you go and you get into yeah. your 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 set routines. It's easy to forget about those. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, encu- I encourage forward rolls, funny dances. Mm-hmm. We uh, we we do we do all sorts of soft stuff in and around the office to keep people going. Mm-hmm. But but I I'm a big believer in celebrating small wins and celebrating success and, and mm-hmm. over communicating. So mm-hmm. you know a new a new client to me is a celebration. Yeah. A new project is something we should be proud of. 
the other way, non-attendance of an interview, I still feel it like a, like a mm-hmm. knife in the heart. Yeah. So, so, so it's there. But, but it is hard. And I've been through stages. I've shared this in other podcasts, China. But I've been through start, stages. I'm, I'm in my twentieth year. It'll be, you know, as the clock turns, it'll be twenty official years, two thousand four. So when I look at it, and we've been big, we've been small, we've been, okay, you know, we've done, we've done all that. But there are times when I've lost my way. You know, I've 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 been questioning myself. Have I got imposter syndrome? What am I doing this for? And and you have to kind of I have to dig deep and and remember what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And if I remember what I enjoy and I expose myself to areas which are new to me, mm-hmm. and I still feel nervous, mm-hmm. I still feel apprehensive. You know, we, we we've got no God given right for any business to deal with us. We've mm-hmm. got to deliver. And I think it's those emotions which really help me. Yep. They're, they're they're the emotions I talk about when I'm talking to schools and colleges and mm-hmm. you know, people that are looking for work. I talk about that area of taking a chance, going for something, chasing your dream, because that's when you make stuff happen, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think those rec- recognizing those small wins are is so important. So, 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 where's plain and simple now as, as a business yep. model, as a concept? Talk to talk to the listeners, talk to people watching us, and just give us an idea of where the business is right now. Yeah. We're on the first of June, yep. and we're in two thousand and twenty-three, I believe. So, so yep. let's talk about where the business is now. So, we started uh, June twenty-one in Edinburgh. We then, uh, a few months later, expanded to Glasgow. Um, I, I should say when we did launch. It was very much, it was very uncomfortable to launch because, and there's that old adage, if, if, if you've launched and you're, you know, really satisfied with what you launched, you waited too long. So we launched, it was uncomfortable, but it all worked. Mm. So got that over with very quickly. Everything's working. Great. Let's expand the test to Glasgow, um, expanded to Glasgow, uh, got those two areas, kind of the central belt of Scotland, um, humming along a bit said, okay, let's, let's take our first steps into England. We went to Devon and Cornwall, signed up some great merchant partners uh, there, operated there for another few months and said, okay, well, let's try the Southeast. So we brought on some really fantastic partners here in, in the Southeast. So we're in those four areas right now, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Southwest, Southeast, so, so, not into London, so, south, of, south of London. Um, and it's going really, really well. So you're um, quite well located right now for, for that, aren't you? So, yeah. you, so you're in, in amongst your own, so that's yeah. good. And, I mean, it's it's the startup journey, right? I mean, it, it's not a straight line. Mm. Um, but our trajectory is very clear. And what we're building isn't an incremental business. It's not, it's not a business where the line ticks up. Mm. It's one where it's slow, slow, slow and accelerates up. I saw a great infographic from Stephen Bartlett on the startup journey and the different, you know, the different paths it can take to, yeah. to get there. And and I think I think the emotions you go through on, on any journey, you know, when it when it's your name above the door, you're mm-hmm. leading the business, you know, you've got so many different responsibilities because you're yeah. you're you're responsible to your partners, you're responsible to your investors, you're responsible to your your stakeholders, your customers, then then your own team, yeah. Yeah. you know, because that my my team don't want to know that Fulham lost at the weekend and I'm in a bad mood yeah. on a Monday they don't you yeah. know and it happens you know yeah. occasionally Charlie doesn't it we get beat yeah. so 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 it's lifting yourself and and I've learned sometimes that the best impact I can have some days is not to be there hmm. because actually it works well let mm-hmm. let it work yeah like we've had guests on and we talk about different styles of management and and one thing that, that that's come through in this series and it is about 
inspiring stars of the future. If you're a future manager, a future leader, you surround yourself with good people. Yeah. Let them go to work. Let yeah. them go to work. And I, I don't see you as a micromanager, Glenn. I see you as someone who's given a lot of uh, a lot of scope to, to learn. And, I try to. I try to. I certainly. I, I mean, we could get my team in here, and they'll they'll, they'll tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> I, I certainly try to, and um, well, they're all going to be new listeners if they're not listeners already. Yeah. Then, so, so I'll find out. I, one of the things I always try to do is when when I'm asked a question, is to ask, you know, what, what do you think we should do, mm. and, and give people the, the space to do that. It's really important for me that everybody in the team feels, first of all, safe to mm. to raise their opinion, and second of all, that their their opinion and their voice matters and it, it makes a difference. And it's easy to say that when you're a small early stage business and a small team, but that's really important kind of in the values of our business that, that continues. Um, diversity of thought as well in our business. Um, w- we are not all men in the business, but predominantly men, but we, we, we do have some some women in the business in senior roles that really do um, voice their opinions. And that's important because the industry as a whole, I think, is is very male-dominated. Um, although, you know, when we're in Merchants Now and we see, we see them, uh, the people there, it, there is more diversity happening. I, I know specifically in the Donaldson Group, we have a big drive towards diversity and inclusion. We have a steering committee for that. We have a steering committee for for um, women in leadership, mm. trying to grow those roles. Um, and that's something that we're very much proud well, we of. We had a fantastic guest. She, she couldn't get to the studio. She recorded remotely, but Tony McClelland came on. And uh, she's a diversity, inclusion, equality champion. You know, mm. she, She's a very inspirational lady. And she's, she's advised the government. She's advised the police. She advised the investigation in the Grenfell disaster. Mm-hmm. And she's worked with the gang. She's worked with so many different areas. And it was it's such a powerful... In- it's such a powerful episode because the main message that that you took away from Tony is that believe in it. Mm-hmm. You know, believe it. Don't don't just do it or say it, but believe it. Give it a chance, and you'll be amazed what can happen. Mm-hmm. And I think the plain and simple story is, is an example of of what what can be achieved. And it's only just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do then is in the second half of the podcast. I'm going to, going to dive a little bit deeper into the builder's merchant space, mm-hmm. what that looks and feels like as a digital landscape, what, mm-hmm. what it feels like as an e-commerce landscape. Being, and I'll use a word which can be overused and sometimes it could be called trendy, but being a perceived disruptor because you're, mm. you're, challenging the conven- you're challenging the conventional, it's a different route to market, it's a different concept, what, what, what you're dealing with when, when you're having those conversations. And then... We'll wrap the show up by just giving some advice and inspiration to the next entrepreneur, mm-hmm. to, to the next star of the future, who's going to be beginning their journey and perhaps thinking, can I achieve something very, very different to the conventional? So thanks for coming down. It's been a brilliant podcast so far. We'll see you after the break. Life-changing recruitment for the KBB, builders, merchant and construction industries. Creative social content, specialist knowledge, world-leading video technology, helping you find career happiness and helping your business attract its stars of the future. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do.
Welcome back to episode 13 of the Foyne Jones Show. I'm inspiring stars of the future today with Glenn Stocko, and he's told us about the journey from Edinburgh, sorry, the journey to Edinburgh from mm-hmm. Canada and the plain and simple story. What I want to do now, Glenn, is focus on your customer, you yep. know, focus on the, the, the partners and the people you're talking to. It's an it's a environment, it's a world which is Close to my heart. Mm-hmm. It's where it all began for me. It yep. began for me in Travis Perkins Fulham when I was 18 years of age in the timber yard doing admin, you know, working on the counter. And it, and it was an amazing journey for me to direct to level. You're on the other side of that fence because going back to my old world, I would be your customer. Mm-hmm. I would be the, the person that you've got to influence, the person you're going to win over. You mentioned something before the break. Um, and I'll say this again and again and again. The builder's merchant industry can be quite white, male, stale. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's middle age. That's genuinely when you look at the industry. I think there's a time for change that has to come with diversity. And, and, I, and I applaud that you mentioned that because that's something that so many guests are, are talking passionately about at the moment. We've got... a. Uh, generational problem you know mm-hmm. is, is the builders merchant industry attractive to the to the mm-hmm. youngsters that want to be a youtuber they want to be in media they want to be in fashion they want to be in music you know probably not so we need to mm-hmm. perhaps work on our shop window but then we talk about the modern world technology how it's mm-hmm. evolving how it's moving how quick it goes different social platforms different ways of buying a product selling a product marketing a product you're in a very traditional space. You even you mentioned, you know, 163 years of history, but you're aware of a business there that wants to think entrepreneurially. Love to get your feelings and thoughts on the merchant landscape so far, particularly with technology, e-commerce mm-hmm. and digital. What are you experiencing when you're introducing your brand? Yeah, well, I think the move to digital commerce obviously has accelerated in the past couple mm. of years. Um, but it's here to stay, and I think merchants appreciate that. Um, we're not having to explain what e-commerce is. Merchants know it. The difficulty comes when a merchant is a, maybe a smaller merchant that has a lot on their plate already. You know, they're wearing a number of hats. Um, and really what we're doing is coming to them and saying, with plain and simple, we can bring you online customers with no effort and no risk. And that's kind of a too-good-to-be-true scenario. So for us, it's been about building trust. Where's the catch? Exactly. And we only succeed if our partners succeed. And we've structured our, our terms in such a way that that's how it is. And, and there's no cost to a merchant to work with us if we don't bring you sales. Um, but it's taken time. You know, two years in now, we're seeing the fruits of all that effort. Um, myself going personally, talking with merchants, speaking at events, being part of the, the Builders Merchant Federation um, and speaking at events there. Um, and it's very much a, you know this better than I do, um, a relationship-based industry. Mm-hmm. And it's when when some of our partners will say to other, partner, other pr- prospective partners that they know, hey, you know, the, the, the people at Plain and Simple are good people. Give them a try. We like working with them. That's the best endorsement that you mm. can ever have. Um, had a meeting yesterday with a merchant um, here in, 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 in Sussex that said, you know, we tell everybody, you know, why wouldn't you be on Plain and Simple? And, and that's like, yeah. that's, it's, it's heartwarming, first of all, because we feel like we're actually doing, doing good. Um, so in terms of what we're seeing, seeing out there, people know e-commerce. 
marketplaces uh, are, are the big thing. And um, from our perspective... You I was fascinated. We spoke about that downstairs before we came in the studio. And, and how you put that, it makes so much sense because they're not just here to stay. They're the future, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, there's, there was a study that said that by 2050, 50% of all online spend will be on marketplaces. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it's sooner than that. Um, People want to shop on marketplaces. And Glenn, just, and again, I'm not saying we have, but if we've got a listener who's been on the planet Mars and they've sure. just dropped in, just explain what you mean by a market, an online marketplace. So an online marketplace, would the best analogy would be like a shopping mall. Yeah. So you go to a shopping mall, you've got multiple stores. Well, an online marketplace is like an online shopping, shopping center where you see multiple merchants selling multiple products. Mm. Um, Classic example is Amazon yeah. or um, eBay. Those are marketplaces. They're generalist marketplaces. On the flip side, you have what's called a specialist marketplace. Imagine that's like a shopping center that sells a specific type of product to a specific kind of customer. So for us, plain and simple, we're a specialist marketplace. Yeah. We only work with independent builders merchants, primarily on big and bulky building materials, decking, fencing, insulation, sheet materials, that kind of stuff. Um, where you, you, you purchase on plain and simple, we connect you with the local builder's merchant, they deliver it right to your door. You don't have to worry about putting in your vehicle. And the transaction's with plain and simple. So the transaction is through plain and simple. Yeah. So we are basically the introducer to the builder's okay. merchant. And we always show the customer the merchant they're shopping from. We never hide that in any way. So, so you so, know. So if I was a customer, which I may well be, and I'm in the market for some, let's just pick up landscaping products. So yep. bulk bags of yep. decorative gravel, some decked, you know, like just a, you know, I'm, I'm upgrading my garden. Yep. Um, I find the products on plain and simple. I get my price. I get my delivery time. I pay the transaction and it arrives from the merchant of choice. Yep. Exactly. They mm. show up. You pay the money. They show up. You can purchase from multiple uh, merchants I mean, in I, one I'm basket. I'm pretty. I back myself. I wouldn't be that scared of a builder's merchant. It's, so it's in my past. But there are there are lots of customers that that wouldn't naturally shop in a landscaping merchant, a yeah. builder's merchant, a timber merchant. We and we hear this all the time. And we've done quite a bit of customer research. There's people who don't know about these incredible local merchants. Mm. They'll go to the larger shed stores just because they don't know about them. Or there's the, the customer who does know about them, but they're too intimidated to yeah. go into them. Because, to perfectly honest, they're not always the most inviting places. Mm. You know, large racking of big, scary building materials. But they're quality materials with trusted merchants. So what we see ourselves is almost lifting the veil on these great independents and bringing that, that DIY customer segment to them. Mm. That would be attractive to me if I, if I was still in the independent builder's merchant game because it's a new customer base. It's a customer base that, that you're not marketing. We well, are marketing to, but you're not knocking on their doors, mm-hmm. are you? You know, it's, it's, you're not always going to notice to skip the scaffold or have the external exactly. representation. And, and, and as a merchant, you already have all of that infrastructure there. You already have the delivery vehicles that deliver all your products anyhow. You're already housing those products. You already have the products on, the, on site in your branch. So you're basically sweating that asset. We can bring you new customers for an asset you already have and products mm. you already have in stock. And is there a price advantage for the customer coming to you rather than going to the merchant? Is there, is, is there a benefit to them? Yeah, I think it's not always about price. Yeah. It's about quality as well. Um, and I'm not saying that to be disparaging to any shed stores, but if you're buying from a trusted local independent builder's merchant where 
the builder shop, we often say shop where the builders shop. Mm. So you're, you're, you're getting trade quality products at a competitive price. Mm. Um, so we do a lot. We are very much a data-driven business. So we analyze prices online, not just from our marketplace, merchants on a marketplace, but also whoever's selling online mm. in, in, in the wider market. And then what we do is we actually create tailored reports for each one of our merchants to show them the product mix that they have in plain and simple, their prices, and how they compare. But we don't go for the lowest price. Mm. We take an average price because we want our partners to be competitive. It's not about being the cheapest. It's just about no, being competitive. And, and it shouldn't be. I mean, we, we are not and we will never be the cheapest recruitment business out there, God forbid. I was with a new client yesterday and they're, they're coming on board. We've, we've got a position which will go live early next week. You know, and they sell their product. It's a landscaping product, funnily enough, mm-hmm. and, but they sell on value. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a manufacturer who is pride and they sell on value and they partner with merchants and, you know, their, their piece is to educate the merchant to sell on value mm-hmm. because if they follow that through, the product has got longevity, the product is sustainable, the product works. And, and it was a dream come true for me because mm-hmm. when I was talking through our approach and what I said, yeah, we, we're the same, it's value. Mm-hmm. You know, we want the appointment to work. We want to be your partner. And, and that's something which is sometimes missing at customer-facing level in some merchants. And it does vary from branch to branch. So I'm not being disrespectful to branch manager population, the trade counter population, but with different levels of ability, different levels of leadership, different levels of coaching, there's a skill set sometimes which is missing. And if you've got a conceptual product like you have and, or a solution like you have, you are going to disrupt the conventional. You know, mm. you, you're going to be seen, I guess, as a disruptor. Um, is, is there some like hard stop pushbacks where people just go, it's just not for us? Or, or can you overcome, overcome anything? There's always going to be people that's just not for them. And, and that's fine. And we respect that. Um, more often than, than not, the reception we get is well, it, it just makes sense. Why wouldn't I do that? Um, but, but when we do have some pushback, it can be, um, uh, it's a marketplace. Do I really want to have my name, my products, my prices next to my competitors? But the fact is, is that already exists. You know, customers can call up a merchant and then call up their competitors and get competing prices. What we're doing is we're actually showing people who didn't even know that that, that merchant existed that they can shop from them. So uh, market forces will always be there. And I think um, merchants who are okay with that and understand competition are, are fine with it. And, and what we find is the more engagement we have with our partners to, you know, back and forth, um, we give them feedback, they give us feedback. They're the ones who perform the best with us. Mm. And, and bringing the plain and simple piece, just, just to a close, Glenn, what's the rest of this year and next year looking like for you? What, yep. what, what's, what's the objective? What's the plan? What have you got in store for us? Yeah, lots of exciting things. You know, we are an early stage business with, with lofty ambitions and, and we, are, we are ambitious. Um, we've got a lot, of, a lot of irons in the fire that I can't quite talk about just yet, but um, Oh no, don't give the be, game plan away. Just, just be, leave us wanting we'll more. Be growing, That's what we want. Yeah, we'll be growing the four re- regions that we're in already. We'll mm. be expanding to new ones. We've got our eyes, you know, quite a quite a strategic plan in terms of where we want to go. We do want to be UK wide. That is the plan. Um, so we'll be just putting those those plans in motion. Fantastic. Fantastic. Glenn, absolutely brilliant. Talking about, you know, how the builders merchant sector community 
that, that everyone involved can start can just start thinking differently and and actually introducing themselves to a completely different customer base. That's that's so exciting. You know, it's so exciting. I, I was taught taught by my by my granddad once on the market stall that you know we've got three options if you want to grow the business. We got a we've got to find new customers, sell sell new fruit and sell different lines of fruit and veg, or charge more. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that was kind of the the, the most simple. You talk about an entrepreneur background. You got a market stall and you got to sell it before it goes out of date to make money and put the stuff. You know, that's that that was probably where where I got the. the uh, is it an entrepreneurial spark? Is it a culture? Is it a way of life? Is it a confidence? I think a lot of my a lot of where I am comes back to that, yep. and that leads us seamlessly mm-hmm. to the next generation because this series, season six, is about the next generation. I think. There is an industry-wide problem in attracting people into the sector. But more importantly, we want to inspire the next generation because anyone joining the business at any level, whether they're transferring at a mature level, at a junior level, apprenticeship level, leadership level, can add value. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got we've got a guest coming on. She's female. She's a trailblazer. She's recording this month. That's going to be really exciting because she's going to be talking about how mm-hmm. in a very male-dominated industry yeah. she assumed a leadership role. And did really well at it. I will say we do we do work with a lot of senior women in this yeah. industry. Um, no, they're there. They're yeah. there. I, I think I think that that's the beauty of it. They're there. Um, but if if me and you walk round, let's go and walk round five builders merchants between here and central London. You know, mm-hmm. how many females will we see in that population? And that's the that's the challenge I'm saying to people mm-hmm. is that if we open our doors, and there may need to well, be some changes. And it's not just women; it's diversity in in its totality. You yeah. know? And I think we need to look at a different. It's hard because the opening hours, but we can be creative with with, with mm. shift patterns. We can be creative with with. I hours. knew you were going to bring that up. Of course, I'm going to bring it up because it's it's something which yeah. I think is really important. Yeah. You know, there is a mistrick with back to work parents and talent mm. that just cannot get in because they can't get there at seven thirty every day, mm. or they can't do the five days a week and the Saturday morning. But my God, for three and a half days, they'd be your best player ever. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you give them a go? Mm-hmm. And that's a. Ch- I have that conversation. We know. I have it. I have it all the time. But advice to the next generation, Glenn. What, what would you say to someone starting out on their entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, um, I don't know how qualified I am to to give advice to well, anybody. We think but, we're reasonably qualified, don't we, Charles? Um, you know, I gave it some thought. You know, you asked, asked me to kind of come with that, and I thought about three things that I've heard from people that have helped affected mm. me uh, along my journey. And the first one, I think, I, I've learned firsthand is. Meet with as many people from as diverse a background as you possibly can. Um, and it may be sometimes uncomfortable to do it, and you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to pick up the phone or go for a coffee with somebody. But you never know what's going to come from those conversations. And it may take years before something actually comes from that conversation, but you won't know until you do it. Mm-hmm. And to me... It's from conversations that I never expect to have, expected to have that something great has come from it. So that'd be my first one. Um, second one uh, was taught to me early on in my career was if you've got a big decision to make, sleep on it. And if you've got um, a partner, a business or, or a personal partner, both of you should, should try to sleep on it, come back to it in the morning. Um, and then the, the, the last one would be Something actually came from, from Jim Collins in Good to Great, which build your, your personal board of directors. You know, those people that 
embody those those values and standards that you aspire to, um, and you can always lean on them when you need some advice and and or, or to confide in. Um, so those would be my my three that have helped helped me along. Well, I mean, honestly, there's three powerful messages there: meeting new people, you know, opening your mind, having conversations. That's... Yeah, and I should say I, I should have said for that one too is is always be willing to support somebody. Mm. So when you're meeting those people, always see how you can help them. Give them something. Yeah. yeah. Give, give something. You know, give, give something. I mean, that's, that's powerful. Uh, sleeping on a decision, taking some time to think. I mean, that's... I mean, th- th- there isn't an example in life when that won't make a difference. Mm. You know, we, the worst decisions I make are the ones when I'm under pressure or when I'm rushing. The best decisions I make are when they fought through and they're educated mm. and they're balanced. Yeah, you have to, as a business owner, make some decisions. And, you know, Sun Tzu, I, I read a lot of Sun Tzu, you know, you have to swoop, mm. you know, swoop. Mm. And when decisions made, decisions made. But but at times you, it's a calculated mm-hmm. swoop. It's it's when we go we go, but mm-hmm. until we're ready, we hold back. And the last one that's 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 the big one for me. Build building your board of directors. Mm-hmm. You know, surrounding yourself with people that that you admire. You would you would take advice from. Mm-hmm. You know, people you look up to. Um, I I read something the other day about you know don't worry about criticism of someone you wouldn't take advice mm-hmm. from. You know, and that's so powerful and so simple. And I went wow. I'm going to use that at some point because mm-hmm. it's very powerful. And, and I think the, the old-fashioned rules of being disciplined, being creative, doing the right thing, having some belief in what you do, that makes a difference. One of the heartbreaking things for me I see from a job-seeking situation is there's so many people that are on, like, the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're going through their career, they're, they're going from month to month, they're kind of, they're okay, but they they don't know whether to try this or go for that or apply for this. And, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. You know, asking, asking for help, trying to go for something, believing in yourself. There's some great takeaways for our stars of the future, Glenn. They really are. And if we look at this episode, you know, we've got to know you. And, and I knew some of the journey from from Ed, from Canada to Edinburgh, mm-hmm. but I didn't know all of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the cider the cider angle I did know about the off mm-hmm. license angle I did know yeah. about, but it's great that you've great that you've shared it publicly, and um, the strategy that you've adopted with Plain and Simple and getting cl- getting close to the key groups, identifying the independents mm-hmm. in certain areas where they can benefit from what you're doing. That's something which should be celebrated. It should be spoke really positively about, and actually the approach you have the 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 detail the data the the presenting of ideas and and demonstrating how it can get results that will make a difference to every single independent builders merchant glenn it's been brilliant to have you on the show cut couple of things before we wrap up you're in brighton i'm in brighton mm-hmm. we can have a drink you know on side the sea side by side absolutely the sea. charlie can't make it he's got busy gig <laughs> he's got busy music stuff to do but 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 we'll we'll chew the fat afterwards and just enjoy it's a bit windy out there but we enjoy something the sun by is the out. sea and the, and the sunshine and you've got some team events going on tonight mate we do you? yeah uh, the team's yeah, here i heard a vicious rumor you're axe throwing yeah team plain and simple is taking on brighton today so it's taking on brighton they're going to hatchet harry's charlie yeah. hatchet harry's they're frying axes yeah. 
<laughs> keep your keep your hard hats on if you're in the gaff tonight. Then <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're we down. get pretty competitive. I, I, could, I could imagine there'll be data on the trajectory oh, yeah. of the acts, wouldn't Absolutely. there? Absolutely, we've got spreadsheets. But but it's good. I mean, I've wanted to get you on on the episodes on the podcast since we've been working together. You, you haven't disappointed. I know this is something you was I wouldn't say word worried, but you, you was you was you know this is slightly outside of your comfort zone. You've come in and smashed it out of the park, mate. It's oh, been thanks an absolute very much. pleasure. That was Glenn Stocko from Plain and Simple. That's the end of episode 13. Thanks again to Marcel Creasy from our headline sponsor, MHK Holding UK. This podcast is only good as you, the listener, and other guests that want to get involved. So don't be shy. Reach out to me. Reach out to Charlie. And you can help us for the rest of this series, inspire our stars of the future. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as I said, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out next week's episode as we will keep inspiring our stars of the future.